0: It's good to, good to be in church, and, and I, we're finishing up the series. I've been doing a series called Address the Mess, Address the Mess, and, and uh, you know, I w- I'd thought I'd finished it up last time, but I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share one, do one more week on this, and the, basically, if, you, if you're visiting today, the, the thesis of this series is this, is that sometimes we create messes in our lives that bring us down, they slow us down, and they, they keep us from living in the freedom that God designed for us to live. Have any of you ever found that you're living below what God has paid for you to live? Yes. And we, we do that sometimes. Galatians 5.1, it says this, uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And you know, th- think about that. The, the Bible talks to me several different ways about yokes. And a yoke is something that's put on you by yourself or someone else. And it's just, it's heavy. It weighs you down. And, and so Christ came to set us free, but sometimes we don't let him set us free. I need a better amen than that. Sometimes we're like, oh, okay, Jesus, I know you can do everything, but I'm just going to choose to suffer. And I'm going to choose to walk like this. And so We've been talking about how to address the messes in our lives in 2019 before we move into the new year. And it really, I think that all of us have some type of mess in our lives. Maybe it's a relational mess, a financial mess, uh, you know, perhaps a mess with your health or your career. Uh, but we something has gotten out of order. Maybe it hasn't been on purpose, but there's some type of mess in your life. And again, we need to identify these and address these because... If we'll just say, God, I need your help in this area, he wants us to live free and he wants us to overcome uh, these things. And the most important principle we've learned so far was week one, I think, and it talked about taking, we talked about taking personal responsibility for the messes that we have created. You know, when there's a mess that has your DNA and your fingerprints, whose fault is it? You know, I, I know we watch these crime shows and we're like, how did somebody put my fingerprints on this mess? You know, how did they do that? And it's, it's called like this. But but sometimes we do that. And many, you know, today I think the world says that when we take ownership or when we take personal responsibility, it's a bad thing. Like, oh, you got to try to hide everything and lie. And that's no way to live, right? And But when we take personal responsibility and say, I own it, I take responsibility, What happens is it empowers us to grow. And God comes alongside of us and starts helping us. And if you, here's the the key thing. If you will grow this next year, you can grow over, around, go through the messes you've created. The reason we stay in messes, and last week we talked about recurring messes in our lives. Sometimes we do the same thing over and over and over again, even though we say we're not going to, and it's because we're something is out of order or we're not growing. If we grow, we'll always move, move beyond that. And on week one, we talked about Adam and Eve, and you know, God gave them a perfect place to live, perfect environment, they messed it up, and Adam and Eve, they both blamed each other. And then they, when that wasn't working, they blamed God. So, so think about that. Sometimes, sometimes we do that, and basically, we can't grow if we live in denial. If we're in denial about something, uh, you you know, Adam and Eve, we're were in in denial and we we have to own up to it. And so I saved the best for last. And um, today we're we're gonna look at the stickiest of messes that we create in our lives. And that's the messes we create with personal relationships. It's gonna be a little painful maybe, but it's it's okay. Uh, I think God will help you. I hope God helps you, right? But let me see a show of hands. How many of you have had, at some point in your life, a breakdown in a personal relationship? Some of you don't leave the house. Wow, that's amazing. There are 20% of our congregation and they have never had a personal relationship, but they're sitting next to their spouse, so I know that they're lying, right? Hey, I've been married for 29 years, and I know one thing, you've been married long enough, you have a, a love fight, right? A love fight. But think of this. When our relationships are not right, you know what happens happens to every one of us. There's a sense of attention. There's tension. There's hurt. There's pain. And usually there's remorse because we know we could have done better. So we got all these things going on while we're struggling to fix them. And if any of our relationships are not right, it weighs us down. It's like going through life with a hundred pound weight on your back. It's like driving down the freeway and you got it floored and you don't know why you're not going faster, but the emergency brake is pulled. I mean, that, that that's what it's like when we're trying to go through life and we're weighed down by messes in our relationship. Um, there's a really good book, it's by N.T. Wright. He's just a great scholar and a brilliant guy. And he wrote a book called Simply Christian. And I'm really not encouraging you to read it unless you want to grow because it's actually a painful little book to read. But simply Christian, and he says this, he says, there's an ironic situation with the human condition. We long for relationships, we ache for them, but we stink at them. Now here's the actual quote he said, he's like, isn't there something odd about this? How is it that we ache for each other and yet find relationships so difficult? Man, that's, just, that's something in, 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 incredible. He, he went on to say that we see problems in relationships on a micro level and a macro level. So mac, micro is small, like individual families, macro is like global. But he said, think about this. None of us, everyone here knows somebody a family that's torn apart by strife. You know, brothers and sisters aren't talking to each other. Kids aren't talking to their parents. Aunts aren't talking to uncles and cousins. And, and you've seen people that have been friends for decades and not, they're not talking anymore. I mean, we see this every day. And then on the macro level, do you know that in the history of our world, there's only been 283 years of peace. I mean, think about the thousands of years. Right now. Right now, there are 40 armed conflicts going on around the world. And it's, it's all because of the breakdown of relationships. One, one group doesn't like another, so there's genocide going on and, and, and just terrible things. But it, it's mostly about relationships. As a pastor, 80% of all my counseling sessions have to do with, with some type of a broken relationship. And uh, you know, there's a breakdown in relationship, and now people aren't talking, so they come to me. And I have to tell you, that's the most, you know, if you ask police officers, they say that domestic disputes are the one thing. We never want to go because it just gets crazy. And I have to tell you, there is nothing more stressful than trying to help a family that's not talking. I mean, it's just just crazy, you know. And uh, usually the solution is very easy. But anyway, so these relational things. So here's, I want to start off with a a little bit of truth. We're going to read a lot of the Bible, but this is just my, I'm going to start off with, I'm telling you, this is my opinion, okay? Although I could probably find it in the Bible, but this is my opinion. Uh, I have learned from talking to so many different people, the secret to healthy relationships between adults. If you'll do these two things, you'll never have a broken relationship. One is love unconditionally. The second one is one that's hard. Keep your mouth shut. Love unconditionally and keep your mouth shut. How I many you know, that, that actually works, you know. And I'm sure Jesus said that three or four times in there in the Sermon on the Mount. But, I mean, think about this. If, you have, if your kids are growing up, you have grown kids. And I have grown kids. I have grown kids. My kids are all grown now. And I've had to learn. I'm trying to do better because, you know, Tracy tells, tells me don't talk to them about that. They don't want to talk about that. Well, I, I think they're just joking, right? I try to talk to them about that. But how many you know if your grown kids tell you that they don't want to talk about something, they actually mean it? They actually, it's a shocker there, right? If they say they don't want you to tell them how to raise their kids, they actually mean that. If they tell you they don't want to talk about who they're voting for, they actually mean that. If they tell you they don't want you to, to tell them how to manage your time or money, they actually mean that. Who, who could have known that? They actually mean that. And it's, it's funny, I had a young couple come to my office one day and they're like, hey, we have a problem. We love each other, but our parents are driving us nuts. They're in our business." I'm like, well, why are you letting them in your, in your business? They just are, man. They're just, you don't know them. They're nosy. So I started talking with them, and both sets of parents were giving them money to bail them out. I said, well, hold, wait, well, hold on, let me tell you a secret. If you are taking money from your parents, they have a right to get in your business. So. Don't take their money and you'll be free. But they looked at me they're like, but we'll be broke. (laughs) Freedom has a price. Freedom has a price, okay? So, I mean, think, think about this. If you have an adult friend and, you know, the problem with adult friends, we have friends that we think they want our unsolicited advice. We think that, you know. But how many know that if even one of your good friends, if they don't ask you, for your opinion, love them unconditionally and keep your mouth shut. If they ask your opinion or your advice, that's, that's another thing. But wouldn't that, I mean, think about it. Here at Thanksgiving, how many of you said something that you shouldn't have said at a family dinner? Again, we have two honest people. So this is going downhill, man. This is going downhill. So this is how it goes when we're going to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Tracy always tells me on the way over there. Terry when you're thinking about saying that, don't do it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. She's like, I know, but at some point today, you're gonna think about saying something, and I don't want you to say it. That really confuses me. People in my family say, Terry, why are you being so quiet? And I, I wanna say because I'm not supposed to say something and I don't know what it is. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep quiet. No, Tracy would tell you I'm still not quiet, so anyway. But so, I know the percentage of people here, probably the numbers would suggest that some of you are going through relational difficulties, and and we're going to try to help you out with that this morning, because if you're in a relational difficulty, it's like driving down the road with a flat tire. You don't get very far, and the ride is bumpy. And so, let's, let's go to God's Word, and let's try to... Just real simple this morning. Romans 12, 18, if you have your Bibles or if you want to look on the screen, it says this, if it is possible as far as it depends on you. Okay, now that you is you or me, right? It's not them. We have read this scripture wrong. Uh, If it is possible as far as it depends on you, on me, on us in here, live at peace with everyone. And you've noticed that the Bible always puts the personal responsibility on relationships. So the Holy Spirit is not so much worried about your spouse. He's worried about you and how you act. And boy, our relationships, they take a tick up really quickly when we start thinking of what can I do better? What can I do? Because human tendency is always that the other person is more guilty than I am. Well, I know I shouldn't have said that, but good. I shouldn't have said that, but goodness, did you hear what they said? I mean, no one even remembers what I said after that. Oh yeah, they do. They do. That's why they're not talking to you, okay? And so, anyway, think about it. So, as far as it depends upon you. So, as far as it depends upon each one of us. Ephesians four thirty-two. I, I think this is going to be our our outline today for how to, how to, um, you know, heal your relational messes. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And so think about this. If we treat you with kindness, compassion, and if we forgive, it's impossible. It's really impossible for your relationships to be in trouble. So let's talk about this. Be kind, What does kind mean? I think you can break kindness up in two words. Kindness means extending mercy and grace to people. Extending mercy and grace to people. Mercy and grace are like cousins, they're very similar, but mercy is when you deserve something, you did something, you deserve punishment, and you get a pass. Grace is when someone gives you something you don't deserve. So, So think about this. Um, you know, I, the older I get, I, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm far from perfect. And when, if I do something that I shouldn't have done, I would like for people to have mercy on me and not hold me accountable for every single thing. So that means that I need to give mercy to people because we, we sow what we, we reap. So in relationships, maybe someone says something or, or maybe someone does something to you and it was wrong. Mercy says, you know what? We've been friends for 10 years. We've never had anything like this today. I'm just, you know, I'm going to forget about that. Maybe they're having a bad day. That's mercy. You could have get a, got offended. You could have got angry. If They did something that hurt you. Maybe they do or do not know. But mercy says, I'm going to overlook that. Grace, grace is when uh, somebody gives us something or extends something to us that we that we don't deserve, okay? So let's look at the scripture here, Ephesians two, verse four and five. It says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, are you thankful for that? God who is rich in mercy uh, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been, you have been saved. So, so again, God had, he had mercy on us while we were sinners. Uh, he acted in Jesus. Uh, you know, to help us to be restored to him. So he had mercy on us when we had sinned, and, and, and he, he pardoned us, and he, he, he gave us the grace of salvation. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He gave it to us as a reward. So we, we have to show kindness, which includes mercy and grace. But the second thing we have to have is compassion. What, what, what is compassion? I think today we're not a very compassionate country. Well, we're compassionate about other countries, but we're not compassionate toward each other. Gosh, you can't say anything today or somebody gets, gets mad at you. But compassion is giving someone the benefit of the doubt of trying to see life from their perspective. You you do know if you're having a relational conflict with somebody, sometimes it's good to think, well, gosh, I wonder how they see it. Gosh, I wonder why they said that. See, compassion tries to put yourself in the place of someone else. And when we lack compassion, all we do is is we see things out of self-interest. We see things from our perspective. And that, that creates a great divide. And then, of course, forgiveness. So kindness compassion, and forgiveness. And forgiveness just simply means to not hold an offense against another person. There's a great verse on this in Matthew chapter five, verse 23 and 24. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and and, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Now, here's the thing. You may may not have something against them. It says, "If if you go to church and you're about to you know, worship the Lord, you remember that someone has something against you that it says, I want you to uh, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So it's not even if you're mad, if you know somebody that has something against you. This verse says, basically what this is saying is that we're supposed to be proactive, in mending relationships. We're supposed to be proactive. Have any of you ever come to a four-way stop, like there's an intersection, there's a four-way stop, and like you're a little bit confused on, well, I, was I here first, or was, you know, you're trying to, you know. I had that conversation with my wife a few years ago. At the time, she drove a big extended-length expedition, and I asked her what she does, and she's like, well, usually I'm the biggest car there, so I just go. <laughs> Okay, that's one way to solve an issue. Okay, but anyway, so think think about this. So you come to a four-way stop and 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 you're not sure who should go, and you don't want to make anyone mad and anything like that. And you kind of that's how it is when we're trying to mend relationships. There's a problem, and people are kind of thinking. Most normal people, I know there's some that aren't normal, but most normal people, they're like this. Well, who should go first? Who should make the, the next move? And at the four-way stop, it's whoever's first is actually supposed to go. Not who's bigger, Tracy, but it's the first one there. I'm sorry. I had to do that. Lord, forgive me. I'll, I'll, don't worry about it. I'll pay for that one later. <laughs> so it's the one. So what we think in relationships, we think that the one who has the most guilt, they're supposed to be the ones who go first. I mean, you know, and the problem is we're the one who assigns guilt. Well, I was probably 27% wrong, right? Which means they're upwards of 70% in the guilt. Certainly God would want them to go first. And so we sit there like at a four-way stop and we end up going years with broken relationships when really if we had been proactive and if we would just grow up, Amen. grow up and be mature and make the first step, our relationships could have been, could have been right months and in, in, in years ago. But think about this. He, Jesus says, if you come to church and you're getting ready to worship and you remember that somebody has something against you, you're supposed to leave church and go make it right. And I, I was scared this week to even read this verse. I'm like, man, I may be here by myself if everyone actually did that. So I'm thankful that you're waiting until the service is over. I'm sure you're going to run right after church and go take care of that b- b- before you eat. And, uh, but what Jesus is saying is that relationships should be, should be a priority. And um, it's not the person who has the most guilt. It's the person who wants to be the most spiritually mature that makes the first move, but but that's what Jesus said. Jesus says, I'm not giving you a pass on relationships. If something's wrong, go fix it. Go make it right. Don't don't live your life like that. And so again, how this works in the Bible is that we had a broken relationship with God because of our sin and rebellion. And, And God acted first. He acted while we were still sinners. He acted in Jesus so that we could be restored. So God took the first step. God was proactive. God built the map, and all we have to do is respond to what he did. Uh, The author, Max Lucado, he says this, "If if there are a thousand steps between you and God, that's how far apart you and God are, God will take 999 steps, but you have to take the last one. So that's good news. God, God does most of the lifting and we just have, we just have to be, have to respond. But man, there have been so many times in my life when I've had fragmented relationships and, uh, and the Holy Spirit never gives me a pass. I always get that tap on my shoulder, uh, in fact, and says, Hey, I want you to go make it right. And, Man, listen, I I've, I've had to apologize to so many people. Sometimes as a pastor, sometimes many times unknowingly I hurt somebody. Gosh, my goal was never to hurt you or offend you. Please, please forgive me. And, and of course, in friends, sometimes I don't respond right. Of course, my family, I've apologized to the most. The most to Tracy and my kids. And and hey, I'm I am i I'm, I'm you know, I'm not above that, but, man, you, do you know that if you actually start apologizing, uh, because that's never fun, that it makes you live a little bit differently? Because, man, if I say that, I'm going to go have to say that later, you know? It, it, it kind of makes you start to start to hopefully do better. And, and uh, So I have a question for you, and you don't have to raise your hands. Sometimes I ask you to raise your hands, and I really mean it, and you don't. And sometimes I really don't want to raise your, hand, want to raise your hands And you do. How many of you send a lot this week? Man, that's me, Pastor, right? But how many of you have ever had to apologize to somebody? It's not, it's not so much fun. How many of you know you should apologize to somebody, but you're still holding out? We've got to deal with that. For, forgiveness is so important. We're talking about forgiveness, so kindness, which... which is mercy and extending mercy and grace, compassion and forgiveness. We need to be quick to forgive. Forgiveness is so important because you know that the Bible actually says that if we don't forgive other people, that God won't forgive us. Someone didn't believe me when I said that. I had to I said, Well, I read that in the message. I'll read it again today. But Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15, it says this: for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a, that's a tough verse, which means we, we don't have a choice whether we want to forgive. We're commanded to if we want to be forgiven. John Wesley said this. He said, you can choose not to forgive someone else, but just plan on never sinning again. How many of you think you may sin, right? You, so we have, to, we have to forgive people. You know forgiveness takes one person. I can forgive somebody whether they want to forgive me or not. I can forgive them, but reconciliation takes two. I mean you can sometimes you can do everything that that we 've talked about and you you forgive them, you go to them, but they don 't want to be reconciled. Forget one person can forgive, but it takes two to be. To be reconciled. So let me tell you a little bit a story about this. So when I was growing up in San Marcos, Texas, I lived down on some out on property out in the country, and and there were really no kids my age out there. So I would invite friends over, and we had several acres of land, and we had we had a stock pond on our property. I don't know if you most people if you're from Texas, you probably know what a stock pond is. It's just a little tank or a body of water, and around it was a 12 foot like berm of dirt, you know, you climb over that and you can see the water in there. So that's, that's what it has. So a friend came over, and he went out, we went on the, on, back in the pasture and we, we played for hours, all day, all day we played. And now this is nine-year-old boys, okay? And so we had mud ball fights. Do any of you know what mud balls are? Well, see, there's all this dirt around a pond, so you make hard mud, mud balls, you know? You let them dry right there. And then you throw them at each other. That's what boys think is fun, you know. So we did that for hours, you know, throwing hand grenades in World War II. After you get hit enough, you're like, hey, let's do something else, right. So then we started digging a tunnel. And he was on one side and I was on the other side. And, you know, we're digging and we're pushing all of our dirt back and we're going through there. And, you know, after about an hour, after about an hour, two grimy nine-year-old hands met in the center. That's what reconciliation is. Because we all have mud and dirt and sin and stuff we're messing with. And you're pushing that away when two people come together and they make their relationship right. That's reconciliation right there. And it, it may not look pretty. As a matter of fact, we looked horrible. When I, later, we went into the house. My mom says, what in the world have you been doing? And I'm like, do you have to ask? I mean, we've been doing what boys do. And that's the problem. We do what people do normally. But if you want to live extraordinary, you got to stay free. You got to have healthy relationships. And at any cost, you have to reconcile one that's not good. At any cost, whatever you can do. I'll tell you another little story about a relational dilemma I had. So when I was a youth pastor in Lafayette, um, Brother Francis, who you know he he died this earlier this year, he loved to build. And so on staff, we all knew if you give him a good reason, he'll build anything. And so you know, I had I was in charge of the youth group, you know, the junior high, high school, and college. So a lot of the college age guys were leaders and so we, we we would meet and play basketball like late like from nine nine p.m. to 11 on Wednesday evening after the youth service was over and but it wasn't really a great court and so one day Brother Francis his property looked over the whole property one day after staff me I said hey brother Francis see back there he said yes yes like man if we could concrete that area right there and make it even that would be an incredible basketball court for the college kids. He's like, yeah, I'll tell him to do it next week. And he had the people out there doing that. And so, and man, at night, you know, when we released that, man, it was on, we'd bring out goals, and we would go out there, and we would play and have a good time. And so one night, we didn't have enough people, so that means, you know, for even teams. So uh, the, the guy said, hey, we have a friend that wants to play, we'll invite him, and I invited a man from the church, you know, to come. So everything, now these were pretty physical games, you know, it's like the NBA, the old school NBA out there, you know, but no one ever got mad. We never had a problem. So this, this kid came, this college kid, I'd never seen him before. And so we're playing and him and I are guarding each other. And man, he's like, really like, he's like trying to body me up and stuff. And, and I'm like, man, this kid, I got him by 30 pounds at least, you know? And so we go down one way and he hooked me and threw me around and scored a layup, and I'm not, I'm not going to call a foul. I mean, if one can do that, two can do that. So the next time down, I did the same exact thing he did to me. I did it to him. And the ball came through the hoop, and he, I'll never forget this. He grabbed the ball. We were like five feet apart, and he just threw it at my head. Now, I know you're concerned, but I had ninja skills, you know. I did that <laughs> like that. But, like, everyone was just like, what's going on? Because all my, all my leaders out here, is like, you know, that's Pastor Terry. And we had this guy from the church that I invited. And after he threw the ball at me, all I saw was his elbows. We were way out in the back part of the bar. He ran all the way to his car and got it and drove off. And as he's running across the field, one of the guys are like, man, we can't finish now. We can't finish. I'm like, I don't know that we need to finish tonight. So... So it was bad. So I go home and Tracy's still awake. She's like, why are you home early? I said, we had a weird thing happen tonight. This kid threw a basketball at my head and really strange. She's like, well, what did you do? (laughs) I played basketball, you know. And so so I didn't sleep that night. And I'm like, this is weird, man. This gets back to Brother Francis. He's going to cancel our basketball thing. He's going to build something else there. So the first thing I did, I woke up and the the adult that was with us uh, he's actually on staff now at um at in family life lafayette rob miller and um so i went to, he owned a subway i went to subway and i was like rob man i'm i'm the first one there you know hey I, i'm i'm so embarrassed i'm so sorry that's happened and that's never happened again and he just sat there and looked at me and and uh, he said oh yeah yeah there's no problem here. i i i accept your apology you don't need to apologize and and so I thought, okay, that's okay, I'm leaving. He's like, hey, Terry, are we playing the same time next week? He said, that was very exciting. I said, yeah, we're playing the same time next week, okay. So now I've got to go talk to this kid who lost his mind and threw a basketball at me. So I go to his house. I go to his house, and he opens the door, and his mom is there, and he's like kind of scared. And I said, hey, his name was Doyle. So Doyle, can I talk to you? And uh, so, you know, before I said anything, he said, he said Pastor Terry, I'm so sorry He said, yesterday, my father was diagnosed with a rare heart condition. And he said, the whole thing last night, it had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do. He's like, I just had all this pent up emotion, you know, and all this. And and I said, well, where's your dad at? He said, well, he's in the hospital. He said, would you go pray for him? And we went and prayed for his dad right then. And um, he said, can I play again next week? <laughs> it's all about the game, man. I'm telling you, it's the hottest game in town, you know. You've got to get, gotta get an invite. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to guard somebody else. I don't want you winging a ball at me. You, you show your sins to someone else. <laughs> so I want to give you some relational gold just for a minute. What I, this is what I've learned. Relational gold is this. Sometimes the perceived problem is not the problem. We got this dirt. We all have this dirt. And how many know that he threw a basketball at me? It had nothing to do with me. It was his dad and he was scared and and all this. Sometimes the perceived problem is not the problem. And the person you have a conflict with is not the problem. That's relational gold right now. I know people that haven't talked in years. And the whole reason they got mad at each other, it it wasn't about either one of them. Think about this, how many of you have been frustrated about something and you took it out on somebody else? That person actually wasn 't the problem right you 're frustrated about something totally different, and you didn 't deal with that you didn 't deal with your emotions and you changed locations, but you didn 't change what was going on inside of you and the first person that you that you came into contact with got got the the majority of, of your issues. So, so, how do we keep our relationships healthy? First of all, we do everything possible. We do everything possible on our end to be a good friend. We show kindness, which includes mercy and grace. We extend compassion to people. We forgive people quickly. You know, I think that most of the times when things happen, we don't even need to talk to somebody, we, we should just forgive them man, I'm just going to let that go. That's water under the bridge, you know. They don't even know you're mad. You know, just, just let it go. Forgive people quickly. And, and we're supposed to take the first step and be proactive. But here's the important thing. The band can come on forward. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. Amen. I mean, I, you can write that down. That's the truest statement you, you will ever hear. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationship, our relationship with Jesus. That's a big, that's the number one, our relationship with spouses, children, friends, family. Um, So life is too short to hold grudges. Life is too fragile to hold on to unforgiveness. If we can be obedient to these scriptures that we read today, it will really allow us to live free and lighten the load as we move forward in, in 2020. I said this one other time and I said, you know, I think there's several ways to there are several ways to, to do this. And, you know, maybe if, if you have some really deep hurt and some things that's happened in the past, you know, uh, things like maybe even abuse and things like that, I think the most important, easiest way to do this maybe is to write a letter. Write a letter to somebody. Write a letter to your mother, your father, that uncle, that aunt, write a letter to them Express what was done, but it needs to end like this. I just want you to let you know that I forgive you for that. You gotta release it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta release it, or maybe it's someone you know now, and you can meet with them face to face. Never try, never try to solve a relational issue through social media. That text is not gonna work. You know, that message on Facebook is not gonna work. That tweet is not gonna work. You know, you, you, got, you got to really do it as an adult. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you take just a moment and, and uh, just allow the, the Holy, maybe the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder today about a relationship that needs to be mended. Everything we can, everything possible that we can to make sure our relationships are healthy. And so, God, give us the strength to do that. If you're here today and you're like, Terry, I I do have a a relationship or several of them and, you know, I don't know how it would go. We're just going to pray for God's favor in that process. Just raise your hand, Lord, if you want to do that. And, Lord, we just pray for these relationships, Lord so many of us have relationships that that just need healing, God. And Lord, we ask you to help us, give us the strength to do that. And Lord, I pray that your favor would be with us so that as we are proactive, as we go to them, as we make the first move, God, that, that you would give us favor with them. We would have favor so that we can Lord, be be reconciled as we talked about earlier today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, church, but I'm gonna dismiss you and we're gonna close with a prayer as always. I always just pray the prayer of Ephesians 1 over us, just the the spiritual inheritance of the believer. Uh, Guys, if y'all can help us stack these chairs and rows of stacks of faith, that would be awesome. But Lord God, we just just pray this morning because we know that we're in a covenant relationship with our Father God. And because of that, there's blessings that come to our life. God, I just pray you're blessing us spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, and financially. In Jesus' name, God, protect us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Christ